Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Sure, great to see everybody this beautiful Father's Day, and thank you for being here. Father's Day is statistically one of the lowest attended services throughout the year. I think there's a lot that feeds into that. We can't just blame Dad for that. It is the middle of summer and everything else. So thank you, though, for being here this morning to worship with us on this beautiful day. So, VBS, you've heard about VBS for six months now. You're going to keep hearing about VBS because I'm sure Shane will want to share much more when he comes back. He is on a much-needed and well-deserved vacation starting today. So, But thank you so much, and Shane will go into greater detail with the thanks, but thank you all so much, church family, for making VBS what it was this year. It was awesome. We had well over 200 kids that came through. Uh, we had somewhere around 84 volunteers from our church that helped uh, in some way, whether it was teaching or cooking or driving a bus. So all together, up around 300 people involved in Bible school this year in one way or another. So thank you so much for that. And several decisions were also made by the kids throughout the week to follow Christ or rededicate their life. Huge success, and I'm tremendously happy and tired. So thank you so much once again. So, if, you're, if you don't know, if you're, you're visiting with us this morning, what we've been doing as a church is since the 1st of January, we've been reading through the Bible together. We have a Bible reading plan that will take you through the Word in a year. And so we've been reading through the Word together, and every week we highlight a particular passage that you should read throughout that week. And so right now we're in the middle of that historical section of all the kings of Judah and kings of Israel. And so uh, we've been talking a lot lately, it seems like, about these um, father-son relationships here in the past couple of weeks, specifically talking about King David and his son, King Solomon, and not only a, a father passing the torch on to a son, but one king passing the torch on to the next king who happens to be his son. We've looked at some family dynamics uh, throughout the Old Testament that would make some soap op- opera people blush, right? I mean, it's just fascinating that this stuff's in the Bible, but it's very real. And we've been talking about it. And so today we're going to be in Second Chronicles chapter 20. And in a lot of ways we talked about how Solomon was like his father. In a lot of ways Solomon was not like his father. And so I want to give you a little background before we get to our passage this morning. Because King Solomon uh, seems to have exhibited some of King David's best and worst characteristics. For example, probably the most obvious was the way that Solomon, like his father, was um, tempted into polygamy. And we'll leave it at that. He had a lot of wives and concubines, uh, even more than his father David. However, uh, David was not necessarily led astray or led from the Lord by his wives, but Solomon took it a step further. Not only practiced polygamy, which in itself was wrong, But he was actually led to false gods by his pagan wives. Not only setting up 
ways for them to worship their false gods, but he actually worshiped their gods himself, and his heart was led astray. That failure would prove to be the downfall of King Solomon and the United Kingdom of Israel as it was for those first three reigns of kings. After Solomon, there would be the northern kingdom of Israel, made up of ten of those original tribes, and there would be the southern kingdom of Judah, which would be made up of the tribe of Judah, Benjamin, and the Levites, and they retained the city of Jerusalem and the temple of Solomon that we talked about for the past couple of weeks. Now, both of those kings, as you go through your reading, you'll find that both of those kingdoms, rather, would have good kings and they'd have bad kings. Most of the time, they would have a bad king, who the Bible says would do evil in the side of the Lord. And then every now and then you would come across a, a, a leader, a king who would uh, remember the Lord, who would try his best to get the nation back on track. And then even sometimes his son would do the same thing. And so this morning we're going to look at one of those father-son stories in Second Chronicles chapter 20, reading about King Jehoshaphat of Judah. How, how many people can say Jehoshaphat? Jumping Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, as we say. So, this particular man would follow very closely in his father's footsteps for the better and for the worse. So look at 2 Chronicles 20, verses 31 through 37. We're going to look at it from the angle of a father's influence this morning. Verse 31 says, Jehoshaphat became king over Judah. He was 35 years old when he became king, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, daughter of Shili. She, he walked in the ways of Asa, his father. He did not turn away from it, but did what was right in the Lord's sight. Every time you see that in this portion of Scripture, that's a, a big deal because there wasn't a lot of that going on. Verse 33, however, the high places were not taken away. The people had not yet set their hearts on the God of their ancestors. The rest of the events of Jehoshaphat's reign from beginning to end are written in the events of Jehu, son of Hananiah, which is recorded in the book of Israel's kings. Verse 35 says, After this, Judah's king Jehoshaphat made an alliance with Israel's king Ahaziah, who was guilty of wrongdoing. Jehoshaphat formed an alliance with him to make ships to go to Tarshish, and they made the ships in Ezion Geber. Then Eliezer, there's so many weird names in this, God, just bear with us. Then Eliezer, son of Dadavahu of Maresha, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you formed an alliance with Ahaziah, the Lord has broken up what you've made. So the ships were wrecked and were not able to go to Tarshish. Now, we're going to dig into this a little bit because there's really three major things I want to point out, especially to us fathers. And of course, on Father's Day, we're going to talk about uh, the responsibilities of fathers. We, we typically boost our mothers up, but we put a lot on our dads, right? Well, guess what? Dad, there's a lot on you. God made it that way. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Fathers are probably the most influential people in the world. You realize that? And I'm not just saying that because it's Father's Day. There's a lot of data that supports that statement. If you are a father of another human being, you are among some of the world's most influential people. 
whether you realize it or not. Certainly in the lives of your children and how those children turn out when they grow up. So this, this is true in, in their socioeconomic development. It's true in their moral development. And it's certainly true in their spiritual development, as we'll talk about this morning. According to some data collected by Promise Keepers in the Baptist Press, if a father does not go to church at all, even if mom goes to church, but dad stays home, does not go to church. Do you, realize, you know what the odds are that the children will grow up and go to church? One out of 50 kids will grow up and be regular attenders if dad does not go to church. That's 2% of kids will go to church if dad doesn't go. Now, if a father attends, but attends even irregularly, guess what? That number jumps to between half and two-thirds of kids who will grow up and attend as adults. Now, if dad goes to church regularly, regardless of what mom does, between two-thirds and three-quarters of children will grow up and attend church as adults. Dads, you're just influential people. So with that in mind, in light of our passage, I want to highlight three realizations about parenthood this morning, especially for we dads. The first one's this. My children reflect my best traits. I see this day in and day out with my two children. All their good comes from me and all their bad comes from their mother's side of the family. <laughs> now, all jokes aside, our kids will usually now notice the language I'm using. I'm not using absolutes this morning because some kids are just unpredictable. But usually, statistically speaking, your kids will reflect some of the best that is in you. So, you know, our, our kind words, our godly actions, even how often and how much we go to church, our propensity towards a healthy relationship with the Lord, our, our care, our love for other people, all those good things will typically be reflected in the lives of our children. And we see this in the life of Jehoshaphat and the good that was in his father, King Asa. Let me give you a little background about Asa. The Bible says that King Asa did, again, what was right in the sight of the Lord. It says that he removed the pagan altars in the high places, that he shattered their sacred pillars and the Asherah poles, that he told the people of Judah to seek the Lord God of their ancestors and essentially obey all of his commands. It says that he removed those high places, he removed the shrines from all the cities of Judah, and that the kingdom experienced peace under him. Now, think about his son... Some of the kings that would rise to power, they're, they're, they would do so pretty young. Now, Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he became king. And so, essentially, when I think about him, I think he had 35 years to watch his father and the things that he did, all the good and all the bad. And so, when he becomes king, it, it, essentially, he does a lot of the exact same things that his father Asa had done when he was king. He tried to lead the people to follow God to be obedient to God's commands and to the law. He also, like his father, stationed troops all around throughout Judah. He fortified the cities. And, and chapter 17 goes so far to say that Jehoshaphat actually walked in the ways of his ancestor, King David. Can I go so far to say that your children are watching you? That your grandchildren, and for some of you, your great-grandchildren, they're actually watching 
you. They're paying attention, attention to the things that you say and the things that you do. And folks, we don't give these little ones the credit that they deserve. They are very intuitive. And when you do something or say something that they think is good or cool, especially you, Dad, there's a good chance they're going to replicate that behavior some way in their own life. One of the things that I really like to do personally is I like to bless our, our servers, our waitresses and waiters, uh, when we go out to eat somewhere. Uh, it's just a fun thing to do, just to give them a little boost. And, and folks, a lot of them need it. So I've been told that Sunday is typically not a good day because church people don't tip good. Let's reverse that and let's bless these folks for taking care of us when we go out to eat, okay? Anyway, one of the things I like to do is, is make sure that somebody that I think really needs it and the Lord kind of presses on my heart, give them a good tip. And it's not to say that I did so or anything. It's just to bless that person. So last weekend, Easton and I got to take a little father-son road trip and have a little bonding time. You heard about him going to the liquor store. We won't talk about that. But anyway, another story for another day if you haven't heard that. We went out to eat the first night, and this place was super busy. And our little waitress, she was just all over the place. I mean, going out of her way to really help people in the restaurant. And she took really good care of us. And so I talk to Easton about paying the bill and, and you know when somebody really deserves it or you think they could need it, it's really good just to really give them a really really good tip and so we did that and again it wasn't for us, we didn't even stay around to watch her reaction we did it, we left and that was that and hopefully she benefited from it. Well the next night we were out to eat again a little bit different situation, this place was not so busy but our waitress, she, again she was super nice took really good care of us and uh, we were sitting there eating, and off to the side, we, I overheard her having a conversation with another staff member. She was talking about how things had been slow since the restaurant down the street had opened up, which meant they hadn't had as much business, which for them means they don't get as much income. And it's just tougher. Now, I didn't know Easton was even listening to this conversation. And I didn't say a word. And so as we're wrapping up our dinner, he finally looks at me and says, Dad... I think we need to give her a really, really good tip. And I thought, man, that is awesome that he's paying attention to something. It's a good feeling when your kids pick up on the good things that you do and that you say. Now, that's encouraging, isn't it? Dad, especially, when you see your kids act the good part of you, good side of you. So think for a minute. Let, let's, I'm going to ask you to do something you don't normally do. Set all of that humility aside for just a minute. And really think about the good that's in you. Especially dad. Think about the, the good parts of your character this morning. The good things that you say. The good things that you do. Your best characteristics. The best parts about you. You can expect to see some of that in your children. And that's encouraging. However, <laughs> the opposite is also true. Second thing I want to point out is my children also reflect my worst traits. No way men's there, right? We read a lot of good about Asa and his son Jehoshaphat. 
How Asa tore down these pagan altars. How he shattered, the Bible says, their sacred pillars. But the problem was there was still pagan worship going on in Judah. So after the end of Asa's reign, when Jehoshaphat comes to power, there's still people worshiping false gods, even though he had tried to do these things. Now, we're not entirely sure why that is. Perhaps Asa had compromised somewhere along the way. Perhaps he'd grown tired of just dealing with people and their hearts that were drawn to false gods and their propensity to turn on God and sin against God. Or maybe he just wasn't persistent. We don't, we don't know. But whatever the case, he wasn't able to rid the land of pagan worship, even as the king of the nation. And likewise, our passage this morning tells us that in spite of all the good that King Jehoshaphat did, even though he made the nation strong, even though he led them closer to the Lord, even though he was compared to King David himself, the Bible says by the end of his reign, quote, the high places were not taken away and the people had not yet set their hearts on the God of their ancestors. Hmm. If you back up three chapters, chapter 17 tells us that he in fact did remove the high places when he became king, that he did get rid of the Asherah poles from Judah when he became king. So somewhere along the way, something happened with Jehoshaphat as a leader, and he had the same problem that his father had, was that he just couldn't keep people away from false gods and worshiping gods other than the one true living God. And it would seem, if you study his character... I think compromise was his main problem. Because we read about him trying to align himself with one of the most evil and heinous kings to ever rule the kingdom of Israel. And so after that particular king dies and his son comes to power, guess what? He tries again to form an alliance with that king and it failed once again. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. Where did he learn this type of leadership? Well, his father Asa had done the exact same thing, trying to form alliances with these foreign entities, trying to depend on them more than he depended on the Lord, and it cost both men very dearly. There's a study from 2018 that examined the likelihood that children of organized crime offenders, if you don't know what an organized crime offender is, think about the mafia or gangsters, professional criminals, okay? There was a study that examined the likelihood that their kids would end up being like them. And so what they found was, and in most cases it was being like the father, the research found that the children of professional criminals by a large majority would follow in their father's footsteps. And the conclusion was especially true for sons, not necessarily daughters as much, but sons of those dads who were professional criminals. The point is, dad, your children, again, will most likely, typically, imitate and emulate even the worst traits that they see in you. Especially true for a dad who has a son who's watching him. Now, as a father of a son, that hits pretty hard with me because I realize my son watches what I do and I hear him say things, not just what I say, but how I would say them. And he's very much, the older he gets, a lot like his father. So dad, just like we did a minute ago, put your humility back on and consider the bad things in your life. Think about the bad things about you. Maybe things you don't even think that people realize, your character flaws, 
those hidden sins, your children are picking up on far more than you know. And, and the likelihood is that one day they're going to exhibit even some of your worst behaviors and tendencies in their own lives. Now, the first point was encouraging. That one's pretty sobering, isn't it? So it all boils, boils down to this, folks. My children may just be like me. It's our final point. Now, this can be very scary or exciting depending on the day. And depending on how many people cut you off while you're trying to get the kids to school in the morning and they're in the back seat watching and listening to everything you do and say, right? Just depends. But as we mentioned, Jehoshaphat had a tendency to align himself with the wrong people. To make alliances with the wrong people, which was something his father Asa had done. And our passage ends talking about something kind of random to us. Talking about this alliance that he had made to build ships with the king of Israel named Ahaziah. Now let me tell you a little bit about Ahaziah, who that was. He was the son of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel of Israel. Two of the worst, most evil people that you'll read about in the Bible who actually led Israel wholeheartedly in the wrong direction to worship other gods. And just like in the case of his father Asa, in the life of Jehoshaphat, this prophet of God has to come to him and tell him about the wrong that he's done and pronounce the punishment for the sins that he'd done for forming this alliance with someone he shouldn't have. Just like his father. It's interesting how history tends to repeat itself. You know, I've got to get up every morning and think, not just about myself and what I'm going to do with life, but as a father, I've got two children that I have to think what I... Yeah, two. You're one of them. They're, they're going to be like me in some way. There's no way that I can't influence them either by my presence or by my absence, guys. And we know this, don't we? We even have things in our language that remind us of this. It's been around for centuries. Finish this sentence for me. The apple doesn't fall far... He's just a chip off. What about this one? Like father? Hmm. Dad, I want you to look at yourself today. And I want you to ask yourself a hard question. Do you want your children to be like you? Because they probably will. More likely than not. And I'm not just saying that, guys, as a form of hyperbole this morning. Not just trying to make a point so you'll run up here to the altar and change your life and all that stuff. I'm saying it because, statistically speaking, it is a fact. And let me tell you something. I think the thing that our nation today needs more than anything else, and it's not hyperbole here, I think this would change our nation. I think the thing that we need is for fathers to just stop for a moment and take their role, their biblical role, seriously and to be the man that God has created them to be and designed them to be, not some feminine version of a man or a watered-down man, but a man of God and man up and be the man that God wants you to be so you can raise up the next generation of Christ followers. That's a mouthful, but I think it would do wonders for our society. Because they're probably going to be like you. The data tells us if you don't better yourself, Dad, if you don't better your family by educating yourself or by working hard, that only 16% of kids will rise out of the poverty that they're in if their family doesn't change that. 
And that's something we see here in Barberville every single day. Now, here's another one that hits home to us. What if you're addicted and you refuse to get the help that you need to live a clean and productive life? Statistics tell us that children of addicts are two times more likely to become addicts themselves as compared to children of sober parents. Dads, we love you. And I got a lot of respect for dads because my life changed when I became a dad. In a lot of ways. I had a new responsibility. It deepened my faith because at that moment I realized you know, the cost of my salvation from a father's point of view. That's why the good Lord gave us broad shoulders, Dad, because there is a lot resting on you as the biblical leader of your home and your family. Another survey found that if a child is the first person... Here's, here's where it really hits home, folks, on the spiritual things. If a child is the first person in the home to come to Christ, you know what the likelihood that the rest of the family will get saved? It's 3.5%. 3.5% chance that the whole house will get saved if that child from VBS gets saved and goes home and tries to do something about it. Now, if mom gets saved, it jumps up a little bit. If mom gets saved first and she tries to lead the rest of the family to Christ, there's a 17 point, there's a 17% chance the whole household will be saved. But you know what happens if dad comes to Christ? 93% of the time, the entire family will know Jesus. Which direction are you leading your children? Again, take a good long, hard, honest look at yourself today. I'm mostly talking to dads, but this applies to, to all of us as well. Take a look at your life right now. Not what you want it to be or plan it to be or what it can be, but what it is today on June 18th, 2023. And ask yourself, is this the life that I want my children to live? And if it is, and you're happy, and you, you think your kids are going to be fine, God bless you, keep doing what you're doing. But if it's not, maybe you need to start setting a better example for them. Maybe you need to lead the way for them and be saved this morning, or be baptized. Or maybe you, dad, mom, you need to set the example in, in going to church regularly so there's a greater chance your kids will value church and the things of God. Dad, let your kids see you reading your Bible every day. Let your kids hear you pray and talk to your God. And let them follow you to church. You stand with us as we close in prayer. It's a tough message. But it's one that I think we need to hear. Because like I said, the chances are they're going to end up being a lot like us. So let's pray. Father... You have entrusted to us parents, especially us dads, the most sacred gift, our children. And God, not only are we responsible for their well-being and their uh, needs and providing for them and their safety, but God, we are responsible for their character. We're responsible for their relationship with Christ. We're responsible for discipling them and leading them closer to you. And God, it's my prayer that my kids will have a good model to follow. God, I know that I'm not perfect. That I say things and do things that 
aren't always the best. But it's my personal prayer, Lord, that you'd help me be the man that you need me to be, that my children need me to be. And I pray that for every man and woman in here this morning. That God, above all, we would put Jesus first. And then let everything else fall in its proper order. So God, if there's a mom or there's a dad here this morning, or if there's even a kid here, God, that, that first needs that relationship with Christ, I pray they'd get that settled this morning. God, if we need to make a deeper commitment to leading our families the right way, a godly way, God, I pray you'd give us the faith and the courage to make that decision today. God, we also pray, especially today, that you would bless our fathers. God, our fathers' jobs are tiring. It can be stressful. And God, I pray that you give them an extra measure of grace today and just encourage them and give them strength. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to come and pray this morning as we sing a song of invitation, you're more than welcome to. If there's a decision you need to make, you'd like to share this morning, why don't you come as we sing Run to the Father. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at BarbervilleFBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.